playing golf with your offspring is, I, I just have found one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. Well, hello, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway on location this week. Thank you, half term. But we are on location <laughs> at Chateau Ritchie. Good morning, Bryce Ritchie. How are you? Good morning. You can tell the <laughs> An echo? An echo, yeah. Welcome to my living room. It's spacious. Yeah, well, yes. This is you. one of the living rooms, isn't it? <laughs> so which quarter are we in? Just this, this is the, the east we're in, wing? We're in the upper quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I no, wouldn't shut that door, but I just know the cat's going to come back in in a minute and get scratching. It's just going to yeah, do it. The butler will get it anyway. Yeah, he'll get it, So yeah, it's all yeah. good. One of the butlers will. One of <laughs> <laughs> Yes, ladies, gents, we are coming to you live from Bryce's dining room. So half term in Scotland at the moment. His wee boy's off school, my wee girl's off school, babysitters don't exist anymore. No. That's that's a thing of the past, apparently. So we can't be in our lovely soundproof studio. Instead, we're in Bryce's, as I say, lovely dining room. And what a lovely dining room it is. Too. Thank you. I won't say anything else because I don't want to incite would-be thieves to come and <laughs> hang out and, you know, fill their boots. But yeah, yeah very nice. Thanks. Very nice. And thank Thanks. you for the coffee. No Appreciate problem. It. How was your weekend? Did you get up too much? Good. I am going to, never mind the weekend, obviously we'll get on to the golf in a minute. And the rugby, because we're going places. It seems we're going places. I didn't catch that. Catherine Zeta-Jones, Tom Jones, someone Edwards, someone James, another <laughs> yeah, one Edwards. Get to, get Your to boys took yeah, a hell of yeah, a yeah, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Momentous day today though, uh, this is Monday the, is it the 13th? It is. Huge day in the calendar because... I'm going to hit my first golf ball of the year today. Oh, do tell. Why, where, Massive when? Braid Hills Golf Centre today. I'm, I'm, I've In got a the meeting. Capital. I've got a Ooh. meeting at four o'clock. When said meeting has concluded, I'm going to start hitting golf balls. Really? Could be huge. Huge. Now, consequences for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't hit a ball for a long time. When and was the last time you hit a ball? I think it must have been... October. Oh my goodness. And I wanted to play winter golf, but I never did. So hu- huge. What are you expecting? Huge day in the calendar. Absolute utter perfection. <laughs> it's funny though, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've we're, we're laughing, but it probably will be pretty good because I sometimes notice that if I take a long spell off playing golf or hitting balls, when I then go back and It's not actually around, that bad. No. Yeah, no. It's sometimes no. better than... When uh-huh. you're playing a lot and you're in the middle of it, yeah. So. And I'm, I'm, I much prefer playing, practicing at the range. I'm not, I'm not a let's go and play eighteen holes and mm-hmm. practice. And I, I can't do that. So you're happier on the range, really? Yeah, I, I think my golf gets better when I spend time in the range and just hang on, reps, reps, reps. Are you a range goat? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's class, McKean. You'll enjoy that <laughs> range goat. What a logo, though. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the piss a little bit. If you don't know what we're talking about, yeah, Live I've Golf's new do, logos. I do feel as though I've seen some of them before. but Yes, some of them few, not the most original. Yeah, there's a few in there that could be, you know, court cases, but yeah. As if we need any more of them, jeez. Oh, yeah, God. But Bubba's one, Range Goats. Now, for a start, what a name. And then it's a pink logo, obviously, Bubba. I have to say, the logo's kind of cool. Bubba is crazy enough to carry off a name like that, a logo like that, a colour scheme like that. It, yeah, it could be wildly entertaining. It's madness. Uh, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to seeing how 
live shapes up the first event. I think it's in two weeks. Next week. Next week, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to just seeing seeing the vibe, Michael. Speaking of vibes, did you watch the Brit Awards at the weekend? No, I didn't. Why would I watch that? Utter crap. You're a big music fan. Or is um, that why you didn't watch it? Yeah, <laughs> that is precisely why I didn't watch it. I thought it was quite interesting of the, the PG of America to let Sam Smith show up wearing the Saturday outfit for the US team at this year's Ryder Cup. I would have thought that was under embargo, but <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, I don't even... Uh, you I don't, don't want know to what, go there, I do don't you? know what's going on. No. I, I genuinely know that. It's just... We've lost the plot. <laughs> Literally lost the plot. Well, before we go down that rabbit hole... Let's talk about Tiger. He is back, Bryce. How many times have we said that in the Quite course of, lot. what, 119 episodes? Quite a lot. Were you expecting the announcement when it came on Friday? Because he's playing the Genesis Invitational this week. He will be in the field at Riviera. His first PGA Tour event that's not a major since the Zozo Championship. 2020. October. And wh- when 2020, was that? October, yeah. November mm. 2020. So it's been a while. That's two a and a half years, basically. Two and a half years. That's a long time. Uh, I do love that Tiger makes these announcements um, at really quite critical times. He's got history of it. A Friday news dump. Friday news dump. I mean, the Friday of one of the biggest Friday nights the PGA Tour has in his regular season, and Tiger drops the news. And Greg Norman's birthday. Oh, nice. But I wonder if it's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the Tour would know anyway. I wonder if it's coordinated just to create even more buzz. Yeah, I don't it know. has to be. I don't know. But no, amazing news. And I know the old, you love your old saying, you know, the needle and everything. It's totally true. People just went wild. What do you expect from him this week? We'll get on to what is a good week or a bad week for him. But you personally, what are you expecting or hoping for? I don't know what I expect. I have no expectations because you just don't know what. Is that not strange in no itself? no idea where he is. Yeah, it's just, but I think we're getting used to that now. Yeah. We've got no idea. I'm just lucky. We're lucky to have him back. Be interesting to see how he how he walks. You know, if you if you look at what he's done with Charlie last year, playing in the cart, a few people said he still looked as though he was struggling to walk. His legs were quite thin, so he's not working out like he used to. He's got calves like me, so and I don't have any calves. <laughs> we calves, we calves. So I think that'll be interesting just to see how he's moving. The golf, I think, for him will be secondary i think he's literally just looking forward to getting into get some uh, reps baby get some reps yeah uh, this is the thing we said this earlier we've got no idea what his actual plans are for the year is this a clue no idea i think we'll get a really good indication of where he is because i think at the open that was the last time he played wasn't it the open yeah if we you all, take the the match and the, yeah, the pnc out which, I, yeah. which i'm taking out that at the open, he, he didn't look like a guy that could play professional golf for the rest of his, you know, next five, four, five years. He just didn't. Struggling to walk the old course, you are struggling. Mm-hmm. And then he pulled out of what was it? He pulled out it the last the, round. The was hero the, world challenge that he pulled out of, saying that he had plantar fasciitis in his foot. Yeah, but so the, 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 no, I'm talking about the one. Was that not a major oh, last year when he right, pulled yeah. out the last round? Was that the US Open? No, he didn't play the US Open. It was Southern Hills USPGA. USPGA withdrew ahead of the final round because yeah. there's nowhere. Why put yourself through it? For and nothing? I think that that says it all. Really, it's just the guy from a health perspective. The guy just didn't have it last year. Mm-hmm. Quite interesting. It's, it's it's great that he's got that determination to keep coming back. He keeps saying this. It's so easy for him to just go. You know what? What else can I do? But he's not. It is interesting, I think, he's chosen Riviera to come back at because 
It's, it's not like it's it's not a particularly hilly course, but there are parts. I mean, even just getting down to the first tee, it is a massively steep hill. Getting back up to the clubhouse, it's ma- I mean, if you can't picture it, you'll soon see it. I mean, the the backdrop to eighteen when you're hitting your second shot in yeah, there, yeah. the bank is so steep. Riviera, obviously, it's where he made his first PGA Tour start as what was a twelve year old in in nineteen ninety two. 14-year-old, maybe. But he's never won there, which is the weirdest thing. He's played played 12 times and he's never won at Riviera. So if you're looking for somewhere that Tiger could, and this is the assumption, he's looking for somewhere to warm up for the Masters to see if he's match ready, then you're kind of running out of options because I don't imagine he would play the players as a warm-up. Bay Hill, maybe. Loads of success there. Torrey Pines has come and gone, where I think some people thought he might. This feels like on one hand, a good fit. On the other hand, a really weird fit. I know he's the host, but it doesn't mean he has to play. Yeah. The fact that he needs to get some reps in before he plays the Masters is key. I'm surprised he's taken it at an event that he's not got great success at, or a golf course he's not got great success at. I'm I'm not convinced he's going to play much this year. I, I, this would surprise me if he played another... Maybe he might play another regular event. If he plays two or three... If he plays three... I'll be really, really surprised mm. because although, the, it, to be honest, this would suggest that he might be doing that because this is quite an early prep. It's only February. You know, the Masters is, what, seven, eight weeks away? It's healing time as well. If something goes wrong, yeah. if the plantar fasciitis flares up again, then he's got seven weeks to get it right, as opposed to Bay Hill, that gives him four weeks. He's... He's pretty, he must be reliant on his medical team telling him, yeah. you know, what, what's what's the right and wrong things to do. I just don't have much faith, and which, which gets you a bit downhearted when you think about it, because I, I, I want Tiger to be out there every week. Seems like a strange thing to say, considering he's not really been a figure in golf for two, three years, but I really miss Tiger playing oh, in totally. I used to love watching Tiger on a Friday night, Saturday night, just fantastic. He's got that real draw, he brings total excitement, but it's now it it does every time he tees it up now just feels a little bit like a cameo mm-hmm. where he's just he's not really involved. And I think that's the hard thing yeah. to watch. He's a bit of a supporting actor. Yeah, he's days, a secondary he? figure in these events. He's yeah. he's not he's not he's not competitive. It was unbelievable that he made all four rounds at the Masters, but also not really because you would expect it because it's the one course where you can't you can't look at him in that, you know, is he going to make it or not? But he just knows that golf course better than anyone else. Yeah, and limited fields. You, know you take tricks. out a bunch of the guys that are never going to make the cut, you yeah. know, a certain number of he's old boys, the amateurs. Yeah. He's, he's starting with a really good advantage. I'm not downplaying what he did because I've said it on this pod before. I thought the 71 that he shot first round, it should, I'm not saying it will, because people don't work like this, but it should go down as one of the best rounds he's ever played under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But making the cut, massive achievement. You could say it is, but then when you really drill into it, it's not really. Yeah, no. There's there's 70, 80 guys that are not playing that would be testing himself yeah. again like he will be next week. That's a different... If he makes the cut next week, unbelievable. So is that success for Tiger this week? Oh, ab- absolutely. Four I, rounds? I think that would be stunning. If he can play all four rounds next week... Incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you that think he will? Mind-blowing. Nope. You expect a, a weekend off? I think that's too much to ask. You, you know, you, you look at... Golf just isn't that straightforward. Look at Rory. Rory's got all the form. Played some great golf. 
Rory turns up at a golf course that he doesn't have a huge amount of uh, history with and just couldn't quite get to grips. Didn't play really poorly, but he just didn't get to grips with the golf course. And he's got all the form, all the bounce, everything about it. I think Tiger will find it difficult. And if he if he makes the cut, I'll be stunned. I have to agree, unfortunately. Also last week announced Tiger is building a, a new golf course in Utah, 8,000 yards from the tips. Some people getting quite excited about that. Please bear in mind, he's building it at elevation. That 8,000 yards is really closer to 7.4, 7.5, which is it's about still, standard. still long. Yeah. It's still long, but standard. For a championship yeah. course, yeah. He's talked previously about moving into this next chapter of his career and all that sort of stuff. One in Scotland, is that too much to ask, do you think? Yeah. I think, are we not? Surely we're running out of land. You say that. Got to be running out of land. But they seem to keep finding it. I know, we go to England. Honestly, well, there's got to be, there's got to be links land in England that nobody's bought. And yeah. it's, it still dumbfounds me that all these, I know it's Scotland, it's the draw of the home of golf. I get all that. And it brings in, it brings in the tourism and it's huge. And every year the tourism seems to go up and up and up. Mm. And so do the prices. And, and it's just a whirlwind of success for these big trophy courses. But it does amaze me that there hasn't really been a major new Lynx golf course in England. I I actually cannot think of a brand new full-on Lynx. No. Like a Mark Parson type resort Lynx in England. I can't think of one. And you know, I know there's been lots of resort inland courses that have been built and they're fantastic. JCB, and, the Grove, yeah, the Shire, the London probably, Club. Oh, uh, what's the place? Centurion. The place in... Uh, the north close house yeah close house it'd be great Unreal. set up yep. brilliant but in terms of links courses you'd think tiger would be able to take advantage of that but they just never happen yeah so in scotland unless he's going somewhere in the highlands oh wouldn't that be brilliant though it would be brilliant but there's not exactly a huge footfall so there's the economic and the you put a tiger woods golf course in the highlands of scotland people will go yeah. if you build it price they will come correct Great movie. Feel the dreams. <laughs> Brilliant film. Back when Kevin Costner was in absolutely Is that every not Wayne's movie. World? Wayne's World 2, yes. They were lampooning. They were lampooning Feel the Dreams. Never knew that. I've you never are, seen Feel the Dreams. Kidding me no, on. never seen it. I thought that was Jim Morrison. Nah, this is a wind up. No. You I've must nev- have I've seen Feel the Dreams. I've never seen Feel the Dreams. Never seen it. That one about baseball. Yeah. Right. I, I don't like Watch that. You you I, I don't understand baseball. I don't recognise cricket as a part of society. Yeah. But that is a sensational movie. Right, I'll watch that. Make sure you do. Right, Waste Management, Phoenix Open. Wasted <laughs> Management, Michael. Oh, nice. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, you know, as ever. Was, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about Scotty Scheffler in a minute, and we should, because he won, and he got back to world number one. So that does merit a mention. But let's start with the crowd. As ever, it's the same old chat, Bryce. This week, this year, we had streakers. That mullet. <laughs> yeah, wow. absolutely sensational mop. So not only did he gyrate, grind up and down the flag on the 16th, he then ran the full length of 17, I like how getting they did, chased I, by security. I like and, how they just let him go. Yeah, and then he belly flopped into the lake. <laughs> yeah. Unreal scenes. Fantastic. You also had drunks. I, I know that you shared that video of the, the girl um, shotgunning a couple of cans of whatever water. Cure, cures Light. Was it? I think so, yeah. Was it? 
not really beer, but you crack no. on. As I said at the time, try it with a Mad Dog 2020. A wee half <laughs> bottle of that, see how you get on. <laughs> the Raspberry one, if you're going to choose any. We had arrests, obviously, a lot of videos doing the rounds of guys looking quite worse for wear, hands cuffed behind their back, shouting at police officers and their, their mates telling them to calm down, stop talking. Superb. All of that was going on and you're like, oh, wait a minute, yeah, it is a golf tournament. It, <laughs> there were no scenes like last year where people were throwing bottles onto the green. Yeah. I, like, like I, I thought it was camera this year. Did you really? Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it had the same, the same crazy let loose. Mm drama as the year before I, 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 and I did think that last year it got slightly out of hand like with the stuff on the green because that just slowed things down it got a little bit crazy the the players did a bit of that though they they what's the word they, they were almost the catalyst for it we had Harry Higgs and Joel Damon taking yeah. off their shirts again I thought that was quite funny I thought it was fine but the tour don't like that kind of stuff but maybe they've well, to be fair, it was a different environment for the PG Tour last year when that was going on. You so. say that, but they've elevated the event. Yeah. They hate it that much, they've given it yeah. a bigger... Pr- a wh- bigger- why, why not? But there was less crowds this year. There was uh, Supposedly the attendance was down by something mm. like 23% or something. I read that, okay. that they, they didn't get the same volume as they usually have, but it was still huge. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's one event a year. We'll not see anything like that until it comes around next year. I like it. I think it's good fun. It was a great watch last night. It was, yeah, undoubtedly. And, and, and a golf is, course as well. I, I, people hate that golf course. I think that's a good golf course. It's entertaining. It's got drama at the end. It's got a bit of a bland par three. That they've managed to turn into this incredible theatre. But it, it, as a whole, it's actually it's not tremendous. A fairly routine par three, yeah, is it not? Yeah, it is, but they've made it something else. Yep. But it's got, you know, cracking 15 and 16, could, you know, decent. Well, 15's a, 15's bit, a, a wee bit, bit quirky for yeah. my likes, for my taste. It's just, yeah. but I get it. That's that's what they're trying to do. Uh-huh. 17 I love and 18, yeah, 18's decent. But it does feel that we don't spend enough time talking about things like the golf course and the quality of the play because there is all this distraction. Yeah. yeah. thing that's noticeable though, it's a, it's a different type of crowd to what you get at any other golf tournament, isn't it? There's, it's a lot younger. They seem to be having more fun. It is a party, but if you watched last night, and it, I, I noticed it was never discussed, but if you watched last night, quite a few holes in that back nine, the leaders were being followed by about 300 people. The crowds were very quiet. You know, you look at crowds in 13, 14, and 15, they were not big. They were pretty quiet. So all the noise is round about, you know, 16, 17, 18 and in the village that they have. But the actual golf is not being watched by huge numbers, which is very strange. But it just goes to show the volume of people they have in that place mm-hmm. and where they are. I think it's a it's a clever move. It's obviously a huge moneymaker for them. Sponsor must love it. Mm-hmm. It's It goes viral every year. And I think they got an unbelievable field this year. It had a, an even better field this year than it did last year because of its status. Um, the amount of money they're making is just... 3.6 million for Scotty Scheffler winning last night. It's unbelievable. The top money. three all made over a million dollars. You know, it's the money in the money in pro golf, we need, we need to, to say that again. The top... Top three all made over a million dollars. I mean, it's just... That's unbelievable. You know, it's... It reminds me of when 
Carly Booth won an LAT event a few years ago and she won £18,000. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but PGA Tour Golf is not struggling. No. Regardless of what you say about Liv, they're doing all right. I was going to come on to this later, but I think that's a nice wee segue in because you're quite right to say that it's not struggling. There's clearly lots of money going around. The look and feel... I said this on Twitter at the weekend. I'm not sure that, and maybe I didn't articulate it well enough, but a few people seem to miss the point. But it seems to me that Phoenix is what Liv wants to be. It wants to be a big party atmosphere, everyone having fun, noise, interaction with the crowd. Big crowds would be nice as well. I'm sure they'd like that. But that seems to be the blueprint for what Liv wants to be. The PGA Tour has it. It's leaning more heavily into it. And then there's this talk starting to emerge about these elevated events and the plan for next year with them becoming not 156 players in the field, but just limited to the very, very top players, like maybe 70. Yeah. That is just live. They're talking about no P- cuts. Potentially. Yeah. If you look at some of the Q&As earlier this season with particularly Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth, they were quite heavily pressed on this, you know, and they all were... Like journalists, I don't know who was in the room, I don't know who was asking it, but they were really trying to get them to go through this, you know, create a bit of controversy, should they be limited field events, you know, should, they were talking about increasing the purse size for the winner by about 20-30% to try and encourage a bit more of like a FedEx Cup feel for all of these elevated events and I, I don't like that, I'm not... PGA Tour's difference with Liv is that it's not Liv. If Liv is going to succeed, it's because it's got something different and people like it. That's up for debate. If the PGA Tour turned every event into a waste management type party, that's not PGA Tour. This is a one-off. PGA Tour has to be, in my opinion, very careful about how it moves forward Mm -hmm. with its product because, as you know, deep down, Players don't actually like waste management, the noise and the atmosphere and the, and the chaos. That they don't want that. Hence, why Rory has only ever played it once before yeah. last week. They're not. They're not attached to it that much. Mm-hmm. So I think they have to be careful with how they take out this competitive element by making it invitation only. And you know, a lot of people weren't that keen on the WGCs and so on. I, I, I'm not sure that's a good idea. I think the PG tours ticket should be it differentiates itself from live and I, I to be honest I, I do think it's a bit of an agenda that's been pushed by a few journalists I, I don't th- I don't see the PGA Tour going down that road unless the players turn around which will be Jordan Spieth because he's head of the council mm-hmm. or whatever it is the, these guys are going to come around and say yeah we want this I'm not convinced they do I would I wouldn't like to see that I mean if they did want it they'd be as well joining live yeah because there's more money there. Name your price, Jordan Spieth. Name your price, Rory There's McElroy. guaranteed money. They don't <laughs> exactly. need to turn up and they get paid. Exactly. Scotty Scheffler, let's look at him. Back as world number one, successfully defended his title. Didn't really at any point last night look in a huge amount of bother. It's his first win, though, since the Masters. Yeah. Which is crazy because this time last year, it was just his first win. Full stop. Yeah, and, and to be fair, he went on a run where he just looked unbeatable. For for three, four months, he was absolutely, well, three months maybe, he was absolutely the best player in the world. But then after that, he, he just didn't pick up 
the the wins. Mm. He was still impressive, but he just didn't get the wins. Winning's hard, you know. That's uh, how good Scheffler's been, considering what he's done in a pretty short space of time. You know, he didn't pick up another win after that Masters, uh-huh. which is might if you'd said that at the time, you would never believe it. No, but winning is hard. You know, it's so many. How many times do we say it? There's so many good players out there staying at the top. We keep saying this all the time. Every time somebody gets hot in golf now, they're not going to stay hot for a year. I genuinely think if you've if you're on a form hit, you probably keep it up for a few months. Look at Morikawa. Morikawa, absolutely unplayably the best player in the world, and then he just went quiet. Mm-hmm. Same with Rory. Still is. Same with Rory. He's yeah. not going to. Rory's probably the one that's more consistent than most. Mm-hmm. If you add majors in, people are going insane about Rory. But he's not. So it's, it's, I think it's great for the game because mm-hmm. there isn't one pure dominant player. Final point on waste management before we move on. A few pe- I think I know what your answer is going to be to this, but we've seen a few people call this the best non-major event in golf. Do you agree or disagree? No, I, I think it's good fun. I think there's no doubt the players, last year's players was the best non-major event in golf. And I know the PGA Tour will want that to be a major, but that was a fantastic watch. Going to be different this year? Very different this year. Defending champion. Never yeah. made anything else won't be playing. And that, that's the that, that's going to be the one event where you'll feel a difference with Liv because it's lost its big players mm-hmm. who, would make, who would make a charge in that. The players doesn't feel like it's going to be much different to the waste management to me now because of Not the really, elevated no. field thing. You're going to yeah. see mostly the same players. But I think there'll be a wee bit more of a focus on the golf. You know, there's not much not much else to take the noise. Before we move into the break, we've got some great stuff coming up after the break as well. Uh, and Well, Bryce let the cat out of the bag last week. An exclusive chat with Clive Tildesley. You'll recognise his voice if you're in the UK from football, but he's a huge golf nut as well. So we'll be speaking to Clive shortly or listening to that interview because, again, as Bryce let slip last Sorry week. Sorry about that. It's pre-recorded. It's pre-recorded. Thank you, Bryce. Sorry. Before we get there... The Swilkenbridge patio, alas, it's gone. gone. (laughs) R.I.P. We we spoke at length about this last week and no sooner had we pressed stop than they were digging it up. It was gone by, whoa, what time? 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning? Yeah, they were digging it up as we were podding. Yeah. Now, I think we said in the pod that we'd be surprised if it made it to the end of the month. Yeah. I have to say, fair play to St Andrews Links Trust, because I didn't see them moving that swiftly, but they listened to what the public said. They realise, I think, that they are custodians, custodians, not owners. Custodians. And they have to do what is in the public interest or the land's interest. So, whilst we had a bit of a pop last week, fair play. Well done. Power, Good on them. Power of the people. Golf Twitter won. St Andrews Links. No. no. <laughs> it makes you wonder though, what could golf Twitter, since it's clearly got such sway, such power, what should it be turning its attention to next? That's a very good question. I mean, I think we know. Do we? Ironhead covers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. White belts. Yeah, ironhead covers. Yellow golf balls. Yeah. I'm not against yellow golf uh, balls. It's because you're getting to the age where you're going to need them. I have to, I, this has been bugging me since we started recording. Over your left shoulder, there mm-hmm. is a trophy that looks like a silver Ryder Cup. Is that your wee boys? No, that's mine. <laughs> that's it. That's the I've been playing with that for uh, since 
2001 have we been playing for that trophy? Yeah, I got my name on it last year. What is it? It's the... Is this a boys golf weekend trophy or yes, something? Yes, it's the BBBM. The BBBM. I'm not telling I'm not you what it stands for. I'm not going to ask what that stands for. I'm not going to tell you what it stands for. But yes, that is. I'll take a picture of it. That's quite impressive. You notice the wee golfer on top, he's not got a golf club. It's because I dropped it in the car park at Carnoustie this year and the golf club fell off. So it's actually stuck on with blue tack. You're joking. Which is inside the trophy. Well, that's like the that's Clara Jug. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, that's yes. not like the Claret Jug, to be clear. But the, the dropping it and kicking it about yeah. is very much like the Claret yeah, Jug. Yeah, it's class. Did you know, and this is a good one for you all, ladies and gents, so you know when you're being scammed or fooled, there's obviously a few claret jugs on the go, right, that get taken to various events. There is one way to tell if you are seeing the real one or one of the fakes. Is there not a spelling mistake in somebody's name? Yes. So, next time you see the claret jug, look at the base of it and look for Fred Daly. Fred Daly won the Open, can't remember what year, ages ago, at Hoylake. I love the, I can't remember when he won it. It's irrelevant. Who cares? It was ages ago, Blackway TVs. <laughs> if there even were TVs. But he won at Hoylake and the engraver spelt it Holy Lake on the actual real jug. I'm told it's been corrected on the replicas. So there's only one way to know, and that is it. So I wonder, I mean, the jug that they get on the Sunday afternoon when they become champion golfer of the year. <laughs> and winner of the gold medal. <laughs> that is the claret jug. But I don't think they they don't get to take away the real claret jug. I don't think jug. they do. I no. think they get to pose for photos with it. Yeah. And, then, you know. and then somebody says, give me that back. <laughs> Not getting that one. We'll trade. <laughs> <laughs> you take this one, we take that one. <laughs> so give yes, it back. Holy Lake. Keep your eyes peeled holy for that. Lake. And another little trophy anecdote for you but this is rugby so i'll do it quickly calcutta cup we own it yeah well we may as well keep it now we've won it three times in a row by young tom morris rules it's ours but jim jeffrey i think it was who played in the famous 1990 grand slam match against england there's a story about him kicking it up and down the street when he was given it to take away he went out got bladdered and then decided to use it as a football and was caught booting the actual Calcutta Cup up and down the streets of Edinburgh and I think he got into severe bother for it. Really? So go and Google that one. I, I'll not get this person into trouble but I remember being out in Glasgow in the West End one night and I met a guy who I hadn't seen for a long time and he said I'll give you a lift home and he said you want to see something cool? I says yeah yeah and he opened up the boot of his car and in the boot of his car he had the Scottish Cup. The actual, the Scottish, actual Cup. Scottish Cup. And it was the Scottish Cup. Then it, now, that, is that not the oldest trophy in football? Probably continuing one, yeah. I think that's yeah. the oldest trophy in, in football. And uh, he had it in a huge, like a huge protective case. And I, and I was like, what do you mean? He says that there's a Scottish Cup. I was like, what the hell have you got that for? And he was, a, he was taking it to the sponsor in the morning. No way. And I got to hold the Scottish Cup. Just cutting about the streets of Just Glasgow with that. Uh-huh. Absolutely immense. My goodness. Absolutely superb. And just huge. The Scottish Cup's massive, isn't it? Really? Is it? It's quite heavy as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. I know it's got that big funky base, but I didn't realise that the trophy itself was yeah, yeah. particularly big or heavy. Yeah, yeah. Just think, 100 years from now, Bryce, people will be saying the same about that thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Do you remember uh, about Bryce Ritchie on the Bunker podcast <laughs> a century ago? He was talking about the BBBM. <laughs> we still don't know what it means, but that's fine. <laughs> century ago anyhow like I say stay tuned loads more to come from us do not go anywhere
everyone expects distance from their driver. We're shifting the paradigm to deliver far more than that. We constructed the first ever 360 carbon chassis. It's 44% lighter than titanium, shifting weight to actively enhance both distance and forgiveness. Now you get 15% tighter downrange dispersion in our longest driver ever. This is the new paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back, part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway, coming to you live from Ritchie Mansion, Castle, Chateau, whatever it is. It's funny, see for the whole of the first half there, I felt like I was having to talk a little bit quiet just in case it awoke somebody in, you know, one of the other quarters. <laughs> didn't, didn't want the echo to boom around too much, you know. <laughs> What's with the, the sort of armour that you've got over there, that, that knight, that's a bit strange looking. <laughs> get on with it <laughs> so bunkered live just over a week away the first of two bunkered lives this year taking place at the nec in birmingham february 24th to the 26th we are going to be there so please do come along and say hello loads happening if you are into golf in any way shape or form and you are anywhere remotely close to the midlands not this weekend but next you simply have to be there. It is an event that all golfers must attend. And very special, exclusive to this podcast, we have a promo code to give you some money off. So when you go to buy your tickets at BunkeredLive.com, use the following code BUNKERED30. That's BUNKERED30. And that will get you 30% off your ticket purchases. That is exceptional value for money. So get involved, please. BunkeredLive.com and we'll hopefully see you there. Who knows, we might even try and do some some podding. I don't know. We'll be very busy, but try and find time to do a little bit of pod work. Will, will, will we be busy? We'll see. We'll see. Do you know what you're doing? Not really. No. Is the question. <laughs> no, we will. We'll we will be a, busy. We'll, we'll do a pod. Yeah. Also, do not forget, it is, what, the 13th of February, 48 hours from now, Full swing, the much-hyped, much-anticipated Netflix golf docu-series will drop. All eight episodes coming this Wednesday. As I mentioned last week, I have seen it all. It is absolutely everything you would expect and more. If you want to know anything more about it, the background, all the sort of behind-the-scenes nuggets that you would expect... Go back and listen to last week's podcast if you haven't already with our chat with executive producer of Full Swing, Chad Mum. Well worth a listen. And if you want reviews and spoilers, perhaps even go into the Bunkered website, bunkered.co.uk, and you can check out my review of it. I have been honest, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I have been honest. So. It's got to be American when the name like Chad, doesn't he? Very American. Yes. Chad. They had a premiere for it Chad. during the waste management. They rolled out the green carpet at TPC Scottsdale at Top Golf, I think it was actually, right. in Arizona. Lots of famous faces attended. Bryce, you had Shaquille O'Neal. Right. He was there. Mm -hmm. Serena Williams was there. Right. DJ Khaled. Oh, DJ Khaled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big, big, big guy. Yep. Uh, huge. Canelo Alvarez. Right. Boxer, I think. Never heard of him. And Dundee's finest, Brian Cox. Brian Cox. At least I assume it was that Brian Cox and not the other one that, you know. Here I am, it's so in this, the hot place. <laughs> now I'm in the cold place. 
the world is changing at an alarming rate and it's up to us to protect and preserve it <laughs> yeah i think it would be actor brian cox. i presume so now, what would actor brian cox be doing at the waste management mm. open well yeah and spoiler alert he's not in full swing not that i noticed anyway so yeah unless you missed that bit incredible eh? representing uh, yeah. good old maybe he's the representative from the home of golf perhaps <laughs> <laughs> but anyway full swing out this week do watch it and do me a favor send us some thoughts on what it's like we'll read out the best uh the best messages on next week next week's show drop me a dm send bryce a dm he'll be watching it in real time when when are you planning on watching it uh, all bryce? wednesday night yes what you, else is happening this week not much tiger so yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have to watch it all on Wednesday. On Valentine's Day tomorrow night, but you know. Yeah, that's irrelevant. I'm a grown man. Well, you've got some nice looking flowers behind you there. I bought them last week when we fell out. I don't buy them. For, <laughs> <laughs> don't buy them for Valentine's. <laughs> Valentine's oh, is bollocks. That's what Valentine's is. Moving swiftly. Oh, she doesn't listen, does she? No, of course she doesn't. But one of her servants is just around the corner, yeah, yeah. so he'll tell me. <laughs> So yeah, get in touch, tell us your thoughts on, on Full Swing when it drops. Anyway, coming up now, as mentioned multiple times over the past week, thank you Bryce, spoiler alert. Bryce is the sort of guy who you're, you'd sit down to watch The Sixth Sense, he's like, oh yeah, uh, that's that one with Bruce Willis, but he's a ghost eye. Oh, the Titanic, yeah, yeah, it sinks. So thanks for that, Bryce. But yes, you did let on last week that Clive Tildesley is a special guest on this week's episode. I caught with Clive, I'm not even going to pretend because again, Bryce blew it. I caught up with him about 10 days ago for a chat, and here it is. Okay, delighted to say that I'm now joined on the line by a man whose voice will be very familiar to all of you, as of course, football commentating legend, Clive Tildesley. Clive, welcome to the Bunker Podcast. I'm always a little bit concerned about legend, eh? A, because I'm not sure I can live up to it, and, and B, because it kind of sounds like I'm done <laughs> oh no we'd never ever say that never say that how are you clive you well i am surprisingly well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for a legend <laughs> look thank you for your time it's, it's great to catch up with you we're going to talk about golf in a little minute but most people will know you and your voice from football so let's start there i think it's probably the best place because world cups still pretty fresh in the memory Finally, I think we've got an answer to the, the question of who is the greatest of all time. Is it Cristiano Ronaldo or is it Lionel Messi? And I think, for me anyway, that question was answered pretty emphatically in Qatar. How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, football is strange, rather like golf. Uh, the only thing that really matters uh, are the 18 numbers that, that you, you tot up at, at, at the, uh, as you walk towards the bar. And all that matters at the end of a football match is is the result. What we love about football and golf is that everything else is a matter of opinion. And um, I am not dodging your question, but I am telling you that I feel very, very privileged to have enjoyed the Ronaldo-Messi rivalry during the peak years of my career, to have seen them in the flesh as many times as I have. There hasn't been anything quite like it in my lifetime in football where two players were so obviously the best two in the world, two very different players, two very different personalities, players who were actually pitched against each other in massive matches, obviously El Clasico in, in particular. And um, it's just good for the sport. I, I'm old enough to remember 
Nicholas versus Watson, maybe even the back end of, of Nicholas versus Palmer. And it, it, it does stimulate conversation about something we already want to talk about and love. And it, it doesn't really matter because there isn't a definitive answer. The, the truth of the matter is, as I've just said, we've been lucky to see them both in their prime. And if, even when we ever have grandchildren, we will tell them about Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. I think it's symptomatic of the the world we live in now and the society we're in, that everything has to be the biggest, the best, the greatest, the longest, the fastest, etc. No one wants to accept the fact that, well, we probably had the two best players of all time. So rather than split hairs between them, isn't that actually much more impressive to being around, as you put it, two, probably two of the... Let's throw Maradona in there. Two of the best three, potentially. So, Yeah, I mean, my favourite player would be Zinedine Zidane. I, I, I grew up with George Best. I was a, a Manchester United fan and saw Best in the flesh at a time when A, I was most impressionable, but B, I can't really remember now. So I know I saw George at his peak in, in club football. Clearly, he could never realise his potential on a World Cup stage. Mm. But in terms of who I've actually enjoyed watching the most... Um, if you really nudged me with a um, with a sharp stick, I'd probably go Zidane. So there you go. I mean, I I've seen enough of of Messi and Ronaldo in the flesh really to have a view, and I'm either perverse enough or stubborn enough to say mm, Ronaldo, Messi, uh, Zidane. <laughs> Good answer. I like it. I mean, you've got. Let's face it. I think most people would agree a pretty dream job. You get to travel the world, talking and describing the action on football matches. It doesn't really get much better. But for those unfamiliar with your background, tell us, how do you even get started in football commentary? Well, you're going to want to do it. Um, and I did, uh, apparently from quite an early age. I don't know that parents, particularly parents of only child, uh, older children are particularly reliable sources of information on what they did when they were seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. But um, I wasn't the only uh, kid that ran around the garden with a football commentating to himself. But I was actually auditioning for jobs already at that age. <laughs> um, that is, I was never good enough to, to play. Um, I actually, my secondary school was a rugby school, believe it or not. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, I suppose in a boarding school dormitory, listening to radio commentary illegally, on an earpiece, um, that you know that there is a, a magic about the great broadcasters of the in the sports that we love. I think particularly if you're a certain generation where there was a voice of golf, there was a voice of tennis, because most golf that we saw was on BBC. Mm -hmm. So you, it, it was Henry Longus, and then it was Peter Ellis. Um, it, the, the Grand National Climax was called by Peter O'Sullivan. The Wimbledon final was called by Dan Maskell. Now because there is so much more live sport on TV and so many more platforms and channels, there are so many more commentators. Mm -hmm. So you don't perhaps have that iconic voice that gets inside your, your head like a, a catchy pop tune and inspires you to want to be that man or woman. So uh, I was fortunate to, to grow up in that that era where there were perhaps a dozen identifiable voices of sport and um even though i was entranced by the players 
that I was watching as, as a young person, I was equally entranced by the broadcasters and I just wanted to do the job. You knock on doors, um, you try to stick your foot in that door and it opens and the first break is always the biggest break and the biggest break I got was that as I was graduating from university, um, there was a local radio station opening in, in the city of Nottingham and they were taking on, you know, three or four T-boys, T-girls, really, trainees. Uh, and I got one of those jobs. And, um, you know, but for that, we probably wouldn't be having that, this conversation now because the, I, I wasn't alone in terms of having that ambition, but I was alone in terms of getting that opportunity. You've covered so many games. I won't embarrass you or I by trying to predict how many it's been. Maybe you've got the number yourself. I've no idea. I've no idea. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds. Is there one that stands out above all else that it might not even necessarily have been the best game, but one that you particularly enjoyed commentating on? I think the obvious answer, and and, and I, I can almost hear half of your viewers going, oh, I know exactly what he's going to say. Um, but only because it was the most important game of my career. Um, and this is my profession, believe it or not. This is all I can do. I can't put up shelves. <laughs> I can't chip. Um, so <laughs> I'm just never going to be a professional <laughs> The, the the 1999 Champions League final between Manchester United and, and Bayern Munich came at the end of my first season as ITV senior commentator following the retirement of the late great Brian Moore after the 1998 World Cup final. It was a sensational season. ITV had all Champions League football at the time. I commentated on every game that Manchester United played en route to Barcelona and indeed the final itself. And and most people will know that final came down to two or three minutes at the end when the two substitutes scored the goals that turned the game around. Basically, if I'd have cocked that up, again, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. So the fact that I kind of got it right and shouted the right names at the right time in front of 20-odd million people, um, ITV stuck with me, um, and they stuck with me until two years ago when they decided I was a bit too old to be shouting names out anymore. But um, that that was the, the the first break is the most important break. That was the local radio break. Uh, but the biggest break was, was, you know, being privileged to commentate on such an important game. And yeah. As you mentioned, though, you were a Manchester United fan growing up. How conscious an effort do you have to make to separate Clive Tildesley, the fan, from Clive Tildesley, the professional? Is it something that just came naturally or do you have to work on that? I, it's it's a really good question. It's one I get asked quite a lot. And my answer is a really honest one, but nobody ever believes me. I was a home and away Manchester United fan. I actually spent a season in, in the, the equivalent of the championship in the mid-70s, which was probably like the the the, the, the height of, of, of my fandom. Mm -hmm. And I was home and away. I think I missed about five games that season. So if you had ever told me at that time that I would ever have an affection for any other football club, I'd have probably wanted to pick a fight with you. But it, it left me. Uh, when I got inside track, when I started to cover Nottingham Forest, as it was, home and away. And that was an extraordinary experience because I came in when they were a mid-table championship team. They had a manager called Brian Clough. Um, they had some very, very ordinary players, I think eight of whom became European champions about two years later. I was part of that. They they were my mates. I was the same age as them. Uh, it was an era when you did go out for a beer with the lads after the game. Uh, no selfies, uh, no <laughs> mail online, <laughs> nobody watching. And um, 
well, I didn't become a Nottingham Forest fan, but from that point onwards and to this day, who do I support? My mates. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I could name drop uh, to the point where everybody would switch off in, in the next half an hour with the people that I've met and have come to know very, very well through the privilege of doing the job that I do. Some that I don't know, but have been very good to me. Some that I don't know, but haven't been very good to me. And really, I my affections go with the people who've been good to me and the people that I've I've got to know. And um, I mean, Gareth was at our wedding. Uh, I mean, that's how close I am to the England managers. So, of course, I want England to do well under his stewardship. You know, it's important. We have a lot of message contact and so on. So when you make the manager of a football team, and I've got several mates who are managers of football teams, um, your heart and your affection goes with them. And, and fighting that is the is the, a difficulty. I, I'm really close to Roy Hodgson too. You know, Roy and Sheila, we've had many meals out with, with Susan, my wife and I. And so a minute from the end of the England-Iceland game in, at the Euros in 16, I had to say to 20-odd million people that his position as England manager is untenable. That kind of sticks in the throat a little bit. Yeah. Fortunately, Roy pretty much resigned but by the time the players had left the field. He knew that too. He didn't need telling. Uh, so in those circumstances, um, it's it becomes more digestible to apply the the you know the editorial of a journalist, which is what we are really, broadcast journalists, and say what needs uh, to be said. But it's said with a heavy heart when you've got a huge affection for the person involved. One thing that I think people, and I'm going to say I think it was actually the most recent World Cup, I think people started to get a, a newfound appreciation for you, Clive, because of your style of commentary and the evidence of the preparation that you put in before every game. I'm, I'm sure people who have got social media will have seen these incredible charts that you produce. And it certainly struck me that listening to your commentary, and, I, and I'm not blowing smoke here, but listening to your commentary, you describe the action and you inform the viewer of what's going on. You're not grabbing or reaching for big moments like some other commentators, it feels like they do <laughs> from the first minute. It's like, is this going to be the greatest game of all time? You don't do that, which I think is to your credit. Again, I think I maybe did. I, I, I think did hopefully with the passage of time, you, you know, once you've seen whatever, it is, I don't know how many World Cup finals I've attended, but I have attended a few now. Yeah. Um, it isn't, you, you maybe don't try quite so hard to make it make it yours because it's not yours. It's the viewers. And uh, I had my mentor, um, strangely, was boxing commentator, Reg Gutteridge, the late Reg, Reg Gutteridge. He took me under his wing. I didn't ask him. And it was tough love at times. Uh, and he, he let me know more of what I wasn't doing very well than what I was doing well. But he invested a lot of time and knowledge in me and 99% of what I know about communication, let alone commentary, um, I've, I've learned from Reg and, and message number one was commentate to the, to the, to the viewers. I, I, he, he used to ask me sometimes, was your grandma watching last night? And I said, yeah, she always watches. Well, why were you commentating to the England manager? Uh, and it, it was actually a really good question. Why are you commentating to the dressing room? And and it, because all you're trying to do is impress people with what you know, when actually your grandma counts one viewer just like any other. And I I do relate this very much to to golf because the the majority of the golfing audience on a Sunday night, 
you know, Pebble Beach, whatever, are golfers. So we kind of know the game and we we love the game and we have an understanding of the rules of the game and we know something about the personalities. We know something about what kind of shot you might hit when you get inside 100 yards, etc. So the golfing commentators are talking to their own. But in Open Championship Week, they're not. Suddenly there's a new audience. Ryder Cup, probably even more so. And, you know, Reggie's argument was always that we've all sat in that maths class where we've got 30 minutes in and we haven't understood the damn word of it, but we're kind of trying to put our hand up and ask because we'll feel stupid. And actually, um, there's, um, there's so much vocabulary which is unusual to golf that if you are a good enough broadcaster, you recognize those moments when your audience is swollen, when you've got more people now who are sat in the back row and don't really understand what three up with six to play means or, or what, you know, how it translates. And that's when, as a football commentator, you know, the away goals rule, okay, it's fairly straightforward, but sometimes it does need explaining to a larger audience. Reg used to say there's even an argument for explaining the offside law when your audience is over 20 million. And I get that completely because that's good communication, whether you're a teacher, whether you are somebody who is addressing a, some kind of business conference, recognize your audience, identify your audience and talk to them. And I think it's kind of quite tricky for a golf commentator because there's still the rest of us going, oh, we know that, you don't need to tell us that. But actually that's fine. As long as you're inclusive and include everybody in, then the people who already know what you're saying, you know, they can switch off for five or 10 seconds. But it's important not to exclude people because these sports are grown through mass communication, through mass television coverage. And and the Ryder Cup is, is, is totally unique. It's my favorite sporting event by far because it's a team event played by very selfish individuals. You know, there are, there are no more individual sportsmen and women in the world of sport than golfers. You can have the best coach, the best sports psychologist, the best caddy. There are only ever two hands on the grip. And there are still only two hands on the grip in the Ryder Cup. The difference with the Ryder Cup is you're now trying to make that damn putt for 11 other guys and for millions of other people instead of for your bank manager. And that changes the dynamic of the sport completely. And arguably the greatest sports man on the planet at the turn of the century in any sport couldn't get it, Didn't couldn't get his head around it. Some very, very good players who were never won a major excelled in Ryder Cup because they got the team ethic. And the, the, the team ethic of, of broadcasting sport is recognizing what it is you're trying to achieve, who your audience is, and to talk to them. And that's why broadcasters like Peter Alice resonated with people who didn't know anything about golf. One of Peter's great skills as well was that he was obviously a golfer, had had very successful career, played in Ryder Cups, but was arguably more famous and more recognised for his work as a broadcaster because of how skillfully he was able to communicate with people. And there is part of me, probably as a journalist, that looks at the way that things are going and you see more and more former players being handed the, the microphone for, for big occasions. And I get it. They're great when it comes to adding context and, and colour and analysing it. But commentary is a very different skill, I think. Yeah, I think I think the different sports require different things. I think that sports like football and uh, NFL, r rugby require a name caller 
Mm. And then somebody else who's been there across the white line where most of us will never go and can come back and tell us why why what is happening is happening. And that is that that's the relationship that I've got with McCoyst or whoever it is, which is is kind of really, really important. Um, and I I recognize his skill and he kind of recognizes my skill. And so we work it out together. Golf and I think cricket, you probably don't really need a name, Paul. You need you you know you still need Hazel to to come to from time to time to look at the leaderboard and 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 give it some context, but actually the action only really requires somebody who knows how to hit a good golf shot, mm-hmm. and that may be somebody who's won a major championship, or it it may just be somebody who was a really good you know single handicap player and who's who's developed a, a skill for broadcasting. I mean, obviously, the you know the Ken Brown now uh, Radar Riley. That's again almost a specific skill within the coverage of golf. And and you you know I think Nick is uh, you've seen various guys who were kind of commentators now become more presenters in the way than Nick had something now with the you know all the stuff on the range and so on. And you get a, a rounded broadcast which kind of serves all all levels of people and their understanding and their love. For, for the sport. I mean, I, I'll be very honest and, and I would, I've never ever say anything critical of Peter Alice, but probably in the last 10, 12, maybe even 15 years of his broadcasting career, I preferred personally the kind of sharper, more analytical um, style of the, the lead commentators on Sky or even on the beat. I probably preferred Andrew Cotter in the last sort of 10 years of Peter's um, broadcasting career that didn't um, dilute or diminish the impact that he has had and the service that he has given to to almost selling golf to a wider audience. But actually, when um, I, I, I I run a little passage in um, in in the book I did about driving to a, a football match on a Saturday morning when uh, England were playing Australia in cricket, and I was listening to Test Match Special. And it, it was Australia had a massive lead and England were just trying to hang in and stay in the match. And it was really important that they didn't allow them to build a big lead. And TMS decided to go with Jonathan Agnew and Phil Tuffle that morning. And Joffrey Archer was sweating whatever on behalf of the Lions on his shirt, just trying to keep the run rate down. And they were talking about bringing buy sales in Leicestershire. And I was throwing, I, honestly, I was driving erratically because I'm so angry that we didn't have like a Michael Vaughan or somebody who wanted to talk cricket because this was a really important part. And there were times in, you know, open championship coverage when I thought, no, Peter, don't. I don't need to know about that. Now, I don't need to know about somebody who's watching at Royal Mid-Surrey, used to be the secretary, that, you know, these guys are going head, head to head. Um, over the final five holes of the Open Championship. This may be the only chance they'll get to win it. And that's when you kind of wanted that somebody with a little bit more journalism perhaps than he had. But that is a matter of taste. And, and what you need is light and shade. You need a little bit of both. And I actually think Sky have done a really good job with the Open. Um, yeah, they have. I think you're right. You know? it's, it's an element of analysis and sort of forensic detail that they go into, which I know appeals to you with the with the planning that you put into to football match commentaries as well. You know, I think a lot of people will be interested to hear you talk so passionately about golf, Clive, because you are so well known for football. But golf <laughs> is really one of the other big passions, isn't it? Tell tell people about 
for example, you know, you were telling me before we started that you carried scoreboards at the open and so on and so forth. Yeah, I I mean, I I do believe that when people talk about um, bringing golf to young people, there are, there are almost two parts to that. And obviously we want to widen our sport. And we've all kind of walked down to the first tee at our club and seen kids on the tee. And there's, you, you, you're kind of torn between the, the you know, God and the devil, the, but because it's part of you think, oh no, I'm behind these kids. And then, you know, they've got a shirt out looking at him, oh, he can't even swing it. And then there's another part you're thinking, that's what we need. We need young people at this golf course. There are too many old farts like me who can afford to be a member here, but actually are, you know, keeping, keeping golf in the 1970s if we're not careful. So how do you promote golf uh, to, to young people. Well, on the one hand, obviously you can make it more accessible to people who financially find it difficult to afford all the equipment and the green fees and everything. And that is really, really important. And it's great to see so many pros who have kind of golfing fellowships of one kind or another to encourage uh, people of um, different financial backgrounds, different ethnicities, different genders and so on to come into the game. But most of us get it from a parent or an uncle or an auntie. Most of us are taken to a golf range or to a golf course by an elder. And my love for golf is quite simply comes from the fact that my dad was my late father. Now, Tom was a very, very keen golfer. And I, I listen, uh, try, trying to rate the great pleasures in your life is very, very dangerous uh, because if you say something to do with your son, then your daughter's upset. If you say something to do with your daughter, your wife's upset, etc. But playing golf with your offspring is, I, I just have found one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me in my life. And of course, um, our talent and our ability, and particularly our, the length of our drives, you know, I am now in that situation where I have a 27-year-old son and we get to a 180-yard par three and I get my five wood out of the bag and he's musing away oh, between an eight and a nine here. Dad. Oh, great. <laughs> Fine. Well, I remember when you were that tall. And so let's play the hole and then we'll write a little number in that little box and we'll see whose number is the smallest, shall we? That's what, and that kind of banter, that kind of love for the game. Some, my dad gave me that. And I can remember to this day, the first time I beat him, you know, net gross, gross. So the, the, uh, there should be a plaque by the side of the, the, the green at Hesel Golf Club on the Wirral where I finally shot a lower score uh, than him. I was about 15 years of age, I think. So that you know, those are the moments. And that's the, where my love for golf came. It came from my father taking me out to play golf with him. And if we're fortunate enough to have somebody in that uh, that you know most impressionable time in our lives. And, mm -hmm. and as a result, he took me to Opens. We followed, uh, Tony Jacklin was a hero as much as any footballer. We followed him throughout the Friday and Saturday, the last two rounds as it was then at Lidham in 69. There was a picture on the front, I think, of Golf Monthly of, of him, you know, punching the air after holding the, the winning putt. And you can just see me. I've been pushed to the front of the ropes. I was actually, you know, 30, 40 metres away from him. Uh, and, you know, that was, that, 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 that made the Open really, really, important to me. Um, so when I was at uh, sixth form and into unis, I started to volunteer to work on the on the leaderboards, which I did for, for three or four years as a holiday uh, job. And then I worked in, in the press uh, centre 
uh, for two or three years, covering it for the independent local radio network, actually getting to interview the winner. You know, that, that when that I, I went through a period of about 25 years, which I think happens to a lot of people, where I hardly played golf at all, you know, young, mm, young kids. Yeah. And, but I still had a love for golf during that period when I wasn't playing. So as soon as the, the, the time came when I could play again, A, I would start to play, and B, I would encourage our guys to play. And uh, we've got three sons in their uh, late 20s, and Susan plays now. And so the five of us literally play together. All our holidays, our golfing holidays, we play wherever we go. We've just uh, a little uh, uh, pinched some uh, winter sunshine in Barbados and played five rounds there. Uh, quite uh, just the week before last. So yeah, that. But all comes from the fact that my dad took me out. You talk about memories there. You know, golf is such a good sport for creating those in a way that I think other sports don't. I mean, I think back of all the the great golf tournaments that I've watched, and in my head, maybe it's the journalist in me, but I can recall commentating at least inwardly over some of the action. Sometimes putting the TV on mute just to have my own thoughts. If you could, this is a really difficult question, so I apologise. But if there you could pick any one moment from golf that you could have been the guy behind the microphone calling the action, what would you have liked it to be? Well, I, 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 I do believe that golf commentary should be done by, as I said before, by experts, but you have to apply that, that, that journalism rather as with cricket. Um, I, I, silence is golden in commentary as long as you don't do it for the sake of it. Uh, and Reg always used to say, when you're quiet, it's thinking time. It's not resting time. I want to know what's going to come next. What, you're, you're thinking about the, the way the match is, is balanced and what it will mean if there's a goal and so on and so forth. And I think golf commentary should be like that. Um, there's a very, very famous, now very famous piece of commentary by Jim Nance, who's very highly respected in the States. When Tiger won at Augusta and came back and won at Augusta, I think he went about three and a half minutes without yeah, saying yeah. anything at all. And it's it's been talked about in in our community, really, as whether it was great commentary, whether it was actually slightly self-indulgent. I mean, Tiger shook hands with about 25 people between leaving the green. I've hugged several of them uh, and arriving at the scorer's hut. And Nance didn't identify any of them. Now, I, I don't think that's very good journalism. I kind of want to know you know, who the family are and who the people are that it, that he, this is a huge moment. And, mm. and and sure, the the scale of the moment doesn't need, Reg used to say to me, a great goal, you've got to do better than, oh, amazing, incredible, fantastic. You've got to give it some context. It's got to be tomorrow morning's headline. That's what I want to hear five seconds, 10 seconds after the goal. What, why is this goal so important? Mm. And that certainly had a lot of thinking time to try to analyze in his mind and fathom exactly what we were seeing here, something we probably never thought we would see. Tiger win another major championship, the most important golfer of the modern era in you know one of the two greatest events in our world. And he won it and won it in the way that he did. So he had plenty of time to pick some words. I think to give it no words was a little bit of a waste of the moment personally. And... We needed some facts. We needed to know who the heck these people were, these people were that he was exactly. getting excited with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, but that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, is, there are some people who have written that it was the greatest piece of sports commentary of all time because he said nothing for two and a half minutes. Great commentary, but he doesn't life. speak. Yes. <laughs> time is marching away from us, Clive, I'm afraid. So we've only got a few minutes left, but I have to ask you about, and you mentioned them earlier, 
your sidekick, Mr. McCoy, very, very <laughs> well known up here. We all are familiar with Ali. He's a, he's a great laugh. He's a great guy. I'm curious, have you seen him on the golf course? And if so, what's he like there? Uh, well, he's like us all. He's a completely different human being on the golf course. You know, the game does our brains in. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a fairly measured, calm, composed person. But honestly, I can totally lose it. I don't break clubs or anything, but you get a, a lot of that. I, I was fortunate enough to play golf with Des Lynham once upon a time. Playing golf with Des Lynham is, is like playing golf with royalty. A, because of his stature, stature and B, because of his ability. And so when he hit his first tee shot... And I heard come out of his mouth, fucking hell, Des. <laughs> it was like the queen. It was like oh, the king now. I, I didn't know you swore, Des. <laughs> well, I do on a golf course. Of course, mm -hmm. he swears on a golf course. McCoy's great ability is to be a legend. And his CV as a football man is as, as great as anybody, really, uh, you know, what he's achieved. Certainly in your nation, you know, he's up there with Lauren Dalgleish, really. Um, but then to do what Reg wanted any communicator to do, to come and tell the rest of us about it in our language, to understand. And the greatest single ability, greatest single quality of any communicator, and Alice had this, is warmth. It's just the fact that you'll never meet this person, but you feel as if you like him or her, and that if you did meet them, they would be easy company, and they would be just like, your your understanding and your vision of them from listening to them. McCoyst is that person. He is as good a company as you'll ever meet. And on a golf course, at a bar, at a football ground, he is that guy. It's not an act. It's not a show. It's not a front. And that comes through when he communicates to you and I. And, yeah, I mean, that, that ability, there are some really, really smart football commentators, sports commentators out there who now, for me, at this stage of my life, if I can give you one piece of advice, just calm down. Just add a bit of warmth. Just talk to us. You know, when, when the teams come out, and I need to be talking like that. Where, where are you going to go if there are three goals in the first 10 minutes? Just talk to us. You know, when they say, here is whoever, say, oh, yeah, fine, good afternoon. Well, thanks for joining us. And maybe a thought to give us something. But don't start there, please. They, Peter Alice never he never went there, let alone started. Yeah, so there. true. <laughs> yeah, he always felt he just had a, a you know, something decanting, and yeah, he yes. might have just given it a sniff. It's and a actually, point. Henry Henry probably did. <laughs> <laughs> My mate once said that Peter Alice speaks to you like you're the bottom of his pint glass, which I thought was a great way of, uh, of summarising them. But Clive, unfortunately, time as I say is against us. I could speak to you for hours more. And, you know, maybe we will again. We'll, we'll bring you back onto the podcast again sometime soon for, for more of a chat. But for now, thank you very much indeed for your time. I, as I say, I, I, a great pleasure to, to hear your thoughts, not just on the beautiful game, but on the Royal and Ancient One too. So thank you very much indeed. Swing easy. Big thank you to Clive. What a lovely man. And how cool to hear that voice on our pod. I mean, it is an iconic voice. There's an iconic voice, and you did make a mistake that you didn't get him to do oh, a bit of gonna, a promo for us. I'm going to bring that up again. We're doing this again. But we'll, well, you know what? We'll, if we phone him up to do it again, he'll just want money this time. Well, probably. So why not? So should yeah. I take advantage of his kindness? But yeah, he's got a he's got a great voice, doesn't he? He certainly does. Fantastic. And I, I, as, I, as I said to him, you know, I wasn't blowing smoke. I genuinely love the way that he commentates. Now, I didn't always. It used to really wind me up, yeah. especially England games where. 
just thought, oh, you're too much of a fan. But how can you not be a I fan know. when you love it, football it did, that much? The, the strangest thing is he did work for Rangers TV for a while, mm-hmm. didn't he? And mm-hmm. I think when you I obviously heard a few things on Twitter. Now, I don't obviously watch Rangers TV, but when you heard him. Of course you do. You're obsessed. When you heard him, it, it almost added a bit of gravitas to the whole game, regardless of how they were playing. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. Weird instant credibility. Yeah, almost. that's the yeah. power of the voice. Yeah. You know. But I, I think he's great. And, you know, as I said, there's a lot of commentators now who are desperately looking for the big moment. As soon as the game kicks off, it's they're clawing for it, like trying to invent drama. Clive just talks about the yeah. drama and it just happens yeah. organically. So, no, brilliant. Thank you very much, Clive, for, for joining us. Much appreciated indeed. Bryce, it can't have escaped your attention that the Super Bowl was on last night. Or did mm. it escape your attention? No, it didn't. I'm, I'm aware. My hero was playing at halftime. So explain Nuno Betancourt. Is the, the hero, hero from, uh, yeah, guitar player was playing with Rihanna. And what's he famous for? He's a guitar player. From? Wrote More Than Words, Extreme. You oh, know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he sold his soul to uh, <laughs> play with a pop star because Rock's dead, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking it well, though. Yeah, I've taken it well. Uh, no, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I haven't watched the Super Bowl since I was about... 14 years old right okay. which is a long long time ago very long but I, I, I think was that the first one uh, <laughs> i would like to watch this people but the, to be honest it's on too late and i can't stay awake exactly that's the problem that is it well it's funny i uh, put this question out in social media i asked our facebook followers over the weekend to explain the super bowl to a golfer so if you were just a random golfer, but you had no idea what the Super Bowl was and you needed it explained in a way that you would understand, some of the replies are excellent. Mark Bone, local club championship final produces latest world champion. <laughs> <laughs> that is immense. And that is it. That is nutshell, it. You don't it? need anything else. <laughs> Trent Blackman, mix of Augusta. Who? Trent? Trent Blackman. I, what a name. Yeah, Trent I, Blackman. I don't think Trent is from Linlithgow. No, he's not. He's, he's, pals, he's pals with Chad. Mix of Augusta National with the waste management atmosphere. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, see maybe, it. maybe, yeah. Mary Ann Barnhard. Again, I, I, I think we've got a bigger American following than we realised. Yeah, yeah. It's the Players' Championship of football. <laughs> of American football, Mary Ann. Andy Leslie, it takes five hours to play 60 minutes. Yeah, true. Very good point. Kieran Thomas Chesney Mallet. No way. No, I'm serious. Timothy's brother. (laughs) He says, it's the number one in the PGA versus number one on Liv. PGA in charge of venue and rules. Liv in charge of halftime entertainment. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's well summarised. Yep. And Gordon McKendrick. Now, Gordon, I think, is less of an American Uh, follower. He is from the left (laughs) go. He just simply says, it's the Liv version of rugby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the Super Bowl. You've got to love it. Who won? The Chiefs? Yeah, let's Ka- Is it Kansas City Chiefs? Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. So, Podder of Merit, Bryce. How are you feeling about this? It's not great. <laughs> it's not been a... I got humped last year and I'm getting humped this year. And I just can't, can't work out what the hell's going on. Waste Management Phoenix Open. Now, bearing in mind, I picked Justin Rose last week to recover the early advantage. He hasn't won for taken. four years. <laughs> yeah. So 2-1 advantage I went into Scottsdale with. You picked Max Homa. Not the worst shout in the world. Saw a bit of uh, a bit of hate towards Max Homa this morning, saying hate? he never turns up in big events. 
Now, I wouldn't really class this as a big event, but that's what they're saying. A few people were saying, yeah, he's absent when it matters. Was this you tweeting from your, bur- no, your burner account? my burner account. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I, uh, was it used goal facts? No. <laughs> no, I just, I can't believe Ricky and the Bugger got a hole in one as well. Unreal. So yes, Max tied 39th. I picked Ricky Fowler because I have faith. I believe in Ricky Fowler. There's a big difference. You said he will win last year. You said he would win twice last year. Multiple times. And he didn't. And you've said he'll win once this year. Yep. There's a big difference between doing what he did at Waste Management and then crossing the finish line with a win. Yeah, I would agree with that, but he did enough to get me the point. He did. A hole in one, like you said, and ultimately he finished in a tie for 10th. That is impressive, considering where he's been. We don't know if he's been rock bottom, because I just can't see it as rock bottom. Look at Ricky's life. That guy is winning. Ricky's rock bottom is my, oh my yeah, God, I dreams. can't believe this is happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> His, uh, he's just, you know, fair play to the boy. He's had a slump. It happens. Lots yeah. of players have slumps. But he's, he's, he's obviously, what I like about it, he's not trying to come out of it. Um, the same way he went in. He's yeah. completely changed. He's got a new swing. Yep. It's obviously working, but he's got to make step. He's got to do the old stepping stones. He's got to start building on it and building on mm. it. And he's done okay. Well, so winning far. me a point in Podder is definitely a That's good way the to start go. That's of momentum. The build. Yeah. yeah. So it's thank you to Ricky. Thanks, Ricky. That is now three one to me. Yes. Now okay. suddenly there's daylight. Yeah. It's the Genesis Invitational this week. It's also the Thailand Classic, I think, in the DP World Tour. But let's stick with Genesis. 23 of the world's top 25 players taking part this week, according to the world rankings. Oh, let's not go there. No, Whole can there. of worms. You get used to that, by the way. 23 of the world's top 25. That's going to happen 16 times this year, potentially. And it is still my honour. And I am going for... Max Homa. Are you really? Former winner. Only seems to win in California. Knows that golf course very well. Great record on it. Last week was just a little blip. His form otherwise has been superb. Max for the point. If he turns up this week and my guy doesn't, there's shady practices at heart here <laughs> oh you think it's collusion by me yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm gonna go with sam burns good choice i think sam burns is playing good golf i think sam burns if he gets a big win under his belt he's going to go places where live no no i think he's class i don't think there's much missing in his game he's a multiple winner tied sixth in phoenix the previous yeah. start before that the american express he tied for 11th the Tournament of Champions, he was 32nd out of pretty much 30. He also won the President's Cup. America. America the Great won the Oh, say. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, I'm going with Sam Burns. Interesting choice. Thank you. This time last year, we were talking about Sam Burns as a potential Masters champion, yeah, yeah, a yeah, major yeah. winner in waiting. He didn't have much of a great year after that. It just seemed to, his year fizzled out after a fast start, didn't it? Yeah, a wee bit. So, okay. Right, well, good luck with that. Not really. I hope you lose. I hope, I hope Sam misses I the I think that's, that's a bit immature. Well, there we are. 3-1 to me heading into this week. Genesis Invitational at Riviera. We'll finish up as we always do with Honesty Box. And Bryce, despite your lack of romantic feelings, it is Valentine's Day tomorrow. 
I'm not going to ask you the old cheesy one. What do you love about golf? Because let's face it. Nah. That's pish. Yes. So <laughs> if you had to combine a date with golf, you know, a meal at a particular place, a round of golf at a particular place, and any other bits and pieces you care to add. A meal and a round of golf. What, I would do the meal after the round of golf. What does that date look like? You can even wear golf clothing to it if you want. You mean, uh, do I need to it pick someone? It can be with a that, golfer. You, you mean they want me to pick someone that I would go on a date with? If you like. Well, it's very vague, because well, I've not given it a huge amount of thought. I can tell this, <laughs> because it does seem massively sexist. <laughs> the only time we talk about the LPGA is which one we, you know, fancy. <laughs> This is a bit sexist, so... You can choose Adam Scott if you want. No, I, I probably would choose Adam Scott, but my wife might have something to say with that. No, if uh, if I was going out on a hot date to play golf, probably Salma Hayek. Oh, now she was at the Brits. Was she? Yeah, she presented an award and then left. No wonder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I picked Salma Hayek. It's amazing. Now, how long has she been a personality? What? How long has she been top of the the laminated list, if you like? <laughs> uh, for a long time. We're going back to like from dust till dawn. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, We've I'd probably probably take her out for a Nando's or something like that. Uh, Hang I on, you think... can you can go any catering in golf, and you're taking her to Nando's instead. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I've had uh, I've had a bite to eat in the TPC. Scottsdale Clubhouse and the food is sensational. What's good? I think I had a burger and it was amazing. Someone had wings, sensational food. Okay. Uh, but I wouldn't go there because it's a long way to go just for a meal. But she might be there. No, I she, think she we're, lives we're in going, Hollywood. Does she I know, not? but I'm taking her to Balfron. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to Nando's. Oh, I do think like Nando's would be a quite a tough one because you've got to use your fingers in Nando's and it would be a bit, you're all sticky and oh, just edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably leave that in, to be fair. Think I might. Yeah. Who, who are you taking on a date? Well, if it's not my wife, obviously. Mm-hmm. should acknowledge that. It's obviously not. So, settling for second best. Yeah, yeah. Take a guess. Oh, uh, the Natalie and Brilliant. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Where are you, take, where are you taking her for a meal? Mm, the Augusta National Media Centre. She has to get accredited first. That's fine. It's, that's not going to happen. We'll get her a pass in the bunker account. Yeah, it's not going to happen. She'll have to write maybe a, a few bits and pieces whilst we were there. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, take her there. Actually, take her into the clubhouse. Do people go on dates? And play golf. Well, it's a bigger thing these days. Because I think people do, like, golf, yeah. people do, what's it? I don't want to say, because it's a bit strange, but someone in her office, I went on a date the other day and they went climbing. Climbing? Yeah, like climb, like wall climbing. What do you call that? Like outdoor climbing something? Can't remember what you call it. I think it's just climbing. Climbing. Rock yeah. climbing, wall Rock climbing. Rock climbing, wall climbing, whatever it is. I think that's... On a date? Usually you go on a date, you just go for a drink, but... Ooh. Yeah, I think world's moved on, Michael. It has, yeah, I don't recognise the world anymore. Actually, no, you know what? I would take Natalie to Top Golf. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The food's very good there. The one in Orlando, excellent. I would take her there. Some scran. Hit some shots. And, and see then, where the night takes us, right? <laughs> and you'd be going back to your house. Well, yes. <laughs> so like, thanks very much for that. And I'd be like, Well, yeah. See you later. Can I see, you, can I see you again. Like, no. no. <laughs> 
<laughs> so do you not do anything for Valentine's Day then? It's, no, it's, it's, it's garbage. It's not a thing for the, uh, the riches. I might, I might buy her flowers or something, but no, it's a lot of uh, crap. I wonder what golfers have got planned for Valentine's Day. I'm not sure that the tour is the most romantic of places. Yeah. I see that Jordan Spieth's bought uh, an RV. Really? He's not doing hotels anymore, so he's bought an RV, so he's, because he's got a young family now. So The RV scene is massive yeah, in the PGA yeah, Tour. Yeah. We should probably do something on that in the magazine, but like yeah. players all travel, or a group of players travel together, don't they, in yeah. their, their motorhomes. You've spoken that, to Martin Laird about it. Yeah, you? yeah, he's got one. They, they travel with the days, and I, I just don't. It's still a caravan. It is still a caravan. It's a glorified caravan. Yes. Yeah. I suppose every everywhere they go, they get to change sheets and wash things, and they probably have a cleaner and things like that. But you're not unpacking and repacking no, I think and all that, that stuff. That's the thing that someday, a lot of the times, they have a driver, and the driver goes from event to event, but they go by plane. So they fly. They fly, and, and the their driver, RV's waiting for the them. RV, RV's waiting for them in the lot. It's not a bad life, is it? It's all right, but at the end of the day, it's still a it is still a caravan. Yeah, but I think you'd rather do that than stay in. The Westons and Motel Eights, mind you. I don't think I don't think Jordan Spieth sleeps in a Motel Eight. I'm booking my Augusta accommodation this week. All right, what bin are you staying in this year? <laughs> that would be an upgrade in the place I stayed last year, where there was blood on the walls. Yeah, have you booked a hole yet? <laughs> <laughs> it has been mentioned. There's talk of uh, an Airbnb that I need to speak to you about off air. Really? Which I think would be far superior to yes. Motel Six. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. motel. The motel six Augusta is awful. It is genuinely awful. But the trade-off is you get to go to the Masters. Yeah, so that's that's the good bit. Yes, exactly. Anyway, so you'll be watching Full Swing this week. I imagine you'll be watching Tiger Woods. Anything else on your agenda, Bryce? Before we go, any any other? Just today's momentous hit. Okay, I will. Um, I'll let you know later on. Yeah, stay tuned to at B Richie Golf on Twitter to to see and hear the latest from Bryce as he attempts to rediscover the form that won him that trophy that's hiding behind him. Thank you. Best of luck with that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for, never mind your time, hosting. (laughs) Thank you for your hospitality. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get back out here because this place is huge. (laughs) Jeeves. (laughs) See Michael out, please. No, thank you very much indeed. And thank you to you for listening to Callaway for their ongoing continued support. We'll be back this time next week. Until then, enjoy your golf. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.